morning. Most of us here are probably very familiar with the Christmas story, whether we've grown up in church or this is our first time in a church. And if it is your first time, um, you're so welcomed, and we're glad that you are with us this morning. If you grew up in England, or your children have, then you've probably participated in a school nativity or watched your children participate in a school nativity. And as you can tell, I'm not from around here. I'm from America. Um, and in America, there's a big separation of church and state, and which means in, in state schools, the Christmas story from the Bible cannot be told, cannot be read, cannot be celebrated. So I never participated um, in a school nativity growing up. Um, so it was a breath of fresh air when I started teaching in England to teach children that knew the Christmas story, that had participated in, in nativities year after year, and they were familiar with the story. Um, but I soon realized that for many, it was simply that, just a story, something they read every December, something they acted out, something they were, in a lot of ways, overly familiar with. The first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, which literally means the good news. And all four of these books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But John's Gospel isn't the one we often read when telling the Christmas story. After all, it doesn't tell the story of Mary and Joseph being met by the angel or traveling to Bethlehem. It doesn't tell the story of the shepherds in the fields being met by the angels. And it doesn't tell the story of Christ being born in a barn. But it does tell the story of Christmas, of Jesus being sent from God to earth that we might have life. And in the few moments that we have together this morning, that's what I would like for us to look at my prayer today is that as we read these familiar verses of the Christmas story in the context of John chapter 1, that we would hear it and receive it fresh today. After all, what we are celebrating during this month isn't Mary and Joseph's obedience or the shepherd's worship, as wonderful as those things are. What we are celebrating is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so if you have a Bible, please open up to John chapter 1. I think it will also be up on the screen for you. So starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. 
the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father, has made him known. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege we have in this nation to read it freely and openly, God. We thank you that it is power to us. And we thank you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us, that we could know life. And I pray that as we read these words this morning, that you would encounter each one of us, God, that your spirit would dwell among us, that you would change lives and you would speak. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. So John, the author of this fourth gospel, is often referred to as the one that Jesus loved. He was the brother of James and one of Jesus' disciples. In fact, he was the only disciple mentioned as being at the crucifixion. He knew Jesus firsthand. He witnessed the many miracles that Jesus performed. He saw his life, and he was there when he died on the cross. Verses 1 through 5 speak about Jesus as the Word. The Word was here in the beginning, meaning Jesus has always existed. He was with God, and he was God. I love what Phil Moore says in his commentary. John is telling us that Jesus' story started long before the angel appeared to Mary or she laid her baby in the manger. It started before the dawn of time because the baby born in Bethlehem's filthy stable was the eternal word of God. Just as God created the world in Genesis 1, giving life to all, Jesus has come into the world to bring life, life eternal. Verse 4 says that this light, excuse me, that this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, literally and figuratively. For many years, God's people had waited for the promised Messiah, the one that the prophets had spoken about, the one that would come to save them from their sins. It had been 400 years since God had spoken concerning this Messiah, and I'm sure their hearts were weary with waiting. Isaiah 9, 2 says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. They had waited for years and years. I'm sure the silence and the darkness must have been overwhelming. But at just the right time, a light dawned. Jesus came, and the darkness was overcome by the light of the world. It's no wonder that God placed a bright star up in the sky to lead the wise men and to display to the, all the world that it was the place that his son lay, the light of the world. The word of God, Jesus, brings life and brings light. Verse 14 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Last summer, I had the privilege of speaking on Hebrews chapter 9 which talks about the earthly tabernacle that was set up in the Old Testament for God's people. 
It was the one place where God's presence, his glory, his spirit dwelt. It was the place where the high priest could enter in to God's presence on behalf of the people and ask forgiveness. It was not a place that everyone could enter into. It was for the high priest and the great high priest only. It was limited in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. In the original Greek, the dwelling from John 1 actually means tabernacle. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Or the Word became flesh and made His tabernacle among us. The glory of God, which was once restricted to the earthly tabernacle, is now visible in Christ, who is our tabernacle, the place where we can have access to God the Father. The tabernacle of the Old Testament points ahead to God's presence with us. This presence came in the person of Jesus Christ. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What if we really believed that Jesus dwells among us through his Holy Spirit? How would that affect how we live our daily lives? We'd have hope when we don't measure up. We'd have forgiveness when we mess up. We'd have help through his spirit. We'd have love and acceptance instead of condemnation. And all of those are available to us because Jesus dwelt and continues to dwell with us in his Holy Spirit. So the witness, verses 9 through 6 through 9 and 15 talk about John the Baptist, not John the author of this book and John the disciple, but John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. John the Baptist was the one who came to be a witness to this light. That was his purpose. And if you spend any time studying his life, you'll appreciate that he made that his primary goal. He was quick to remind others that he was not the light, and he was, in fact, inferior to the light. He was quick, excuse me, yes, he was quick to remind others that he was not the light and he was inferior. And we can see that really clearly if we look in verse 1, which says, in the beginning was the word, meaning the word always was. But if you look in verse 6, it says, there came a man who was sent from God. So the word was, and yet John came. There was no creation of the word. Through him all things were made, and he existed long before he took on flesh and entered the world. Gary M. Burge highlights that John's main role is simply to glorify and identify Jesus. For those of us that are believers in Jesus, that too should be our main role, to glorify and identify Jesus to others. Is that true of you? I know it is not always true of me. My primary goals often are self-serving, what's best for me or best for my family, instead of what is best for someone else, or ultimately what's most glorifying to God. How can we, specifically this Christmas season, identify Jesus to others in our homes, in our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our friendship circles? How can we identify Jesus to others? Christmas is a season that most of this country celebrate. But do most people in this country know Jesus? What an opportunity we have during this season to identify Jesus as the reason for this season. 
Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Just as there was no room in Bethlehem on the night of Jesus' birth, the world doesn't make room for Jesus. Verses 10 through 11 say that the world did not recognize or receive him. It was true then, and it is still true today. King Herod wanted nothing to do with this king baby and was so fearful that he had all the boys, two years old and under, killed in the area around Bethlehem. The Pharisees, who for many years had been waiting for the promised Messiah, would not accept Jesus as the one. They wanted a high and mighty king, not a humble servant born in a barn. And today there are still those who out of fear, pride, or maybe even ignorance, reject Jesus. And for those of us that are believers, it can be so intimidating to share truth with them. But we must do more than pray for them, as powerful as prayer is. A few years back, Chris Kilby came to our church in Woken to do an evangelistic talk. And he talked about the struggles that he faced in asking neighbors and coworkers and friends and even family to church events. He acknowledged our common thoughts. What if they say no? Yes, he said. But what if they say yes? If you don't ask them, the answer will always be no. So don't say there are no for them by never asking. So let me encourage us all, myself included. Who can you invite to an upcoming Christmas service or the next Alpha term or to your life group? We just have to be faithful to ask. We really can trust God with the results, with the outcome. Verses 12 through 13 Speak, of the, speak to those of us that are Christians. Those of us who have believed and received. Which I think is an important thing to notice. Belief alone does not make us Christians. James 2.19 says that even the demons believe. We must believe and receive Jesus. And when we do, the word says we are children of God. These verses anticipate the story of Nicodemus from John chapter 3, where the famous verse of John 3.16 comes from. Nicodemus was a Pharisee who didn't quite understand what Jesus was talking about when he was saying no one would enter the kingdom of God unless he was born again. Jesus wasn't talking about being physically born, entering back into your mother's womb, but he was talking about being born of the Spirit. Verse 13 says, Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, but born of God. This was John's understanding of conversion. Deliberate faith joined with divine transformation. And for those of us that are children of God, grace upon grace upon grace. From the fullness of his grace, we've all received one blessing after another. Jesus came to bring grace and truth. Grace A free, undeserved gift of salvation. You see, the whole reason that Jesus was born was to die. He became a human, humbled himself, and became obedient to death on a cross for our behalf. Because of our sin, because of our shame, we were separated from God. We deserved death. But Jesus came. He lived a sinless life, and he took our sins to the cross 
and paid the price for our sin. He died in our place so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could know forgiveness and we could know peace with God. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He came full of grace, but He also came full of truth. And in a world where there seems to be no absolute truth anymore, we must hold fast to the Word of God. We must read it and allow it to shape our worldview. And in a world that has over-commercialized Christmas and made it about everything but Jesus, let's be different. And I don't mean don't celebrate. In fact, Christmas really is the most wonderful time of the year for those of us that are Christians because it's the time when our Savior was born. And I believe as Christians we should be celebrating big time. We should be taking advantage of this season and inviting people into our homes, into church, to show them what Christmas is really all about. The gifts, the presents, the lights, the songs, all of that is so wonderful. Let's embrace it, but make it about Jesus. Let's celebrate intentionally. Let's make Christmas about Jesus. Let's esteem and exalt him in our homes, among our peers. Let's hear and sing those gospel words written in familiar Christmas carols, And worship Jesus, for he is the one who took on flesh and came to us. He is the one who we are exalting. He rules the world with truth and grace. Let earth receive her king. Amen. Amen.